0: Wow. Today was, I mean, whirlwind. (laughs) Such big news happening with General Milley. We have Josh Rogan um, talking about that, along with, uh, let's see, who else was on? Senator Rand Paul. Senator Rand Paul talking about General Milley and the other things that were going on, including the uh, State Department, what was happening in Afghanistan. Also, some really important information from Rand Paul. Uh, on COVID-19 that you need to hear. Uh, we had Jason Chaffetz. <laughs> about Hunter Biden and the laptop. And also, we, we played a song that you're not allowed to know about. They don't want uh, anyone promoting it on Facebook. Uh, from the guy who is five for fighting, if you will. Blood on your hands. We have a lot to discuss on today's podcast and don't forget to head over to blaze tv.com slash glenn sign up
1: get a subscription you might notice that conservative media is being cracked down upon and this is a great way to fight back about it glenn i know has a, a big special
0: coming up at 9 p.m eastern right after some crappy show with <laughs> Stu <laughs> and a crappy guest glenn Beck. wait uh <laughs> Stu does
1: america followed by glenn Beck on blaze tv make sure you check it out
0: to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Senator Rand Paul, where would you like to begin, sir?
2: I think General Milley is the most pressing problem of the moment. Um, We can't have generals talking to foreign countries and saying, hey, we think our president might bomb you, so be prepared. I'm going to try to stop him. That actually might cause an accidental war. Think about it. We have different things that are launched into space all the time satellites this and that and they can be misinterpreted as a missile yes if they were we call each other and say no that's a satellite not a missile but what if a general has just called the chinese dictator and said our president is going to probably launch i'll try to stop him but we think he might launch an attack they might interpret a satellite and act, some kind of launch into space as a missile and all of a sudden you have a nuclear war going on it's incredibly dangerous not to mention that there are a host of reasons we have a chain of command not to mention that we have elections presidents are elected millie wasn't elected to be president i can you can i can't even tell you how how incredibly dangerous this is he needs to be called in today and asked under polygraph what he said to the chinese president or to his counterpart in china and what, did he have permission to do so? Now they just—they uh, just—they
0: just released um, some information. The Pentagon did that. Said these happen all the time, and there were lots of people on the call, and it happened with the State Department. But did it happen with the president's permission? The State Department does a lot of things where they don't—they don't care who the president is. That's not our system. So, is there any circumstance where this would? be as far as you understand it today where this would be acceptable
2: i think it depends on what is said i mean if he was insinuating that he would go outside the chain of command and that the president was capable of launching an attack on china um that to me is something he should be cashiered he should be court-martialed but you know everybody gets their day in court so we need to know what's true and what's not true and so we need to to hear from him But this accusation, you talk about a bombshell, this is a bombshell accusation, but it kind of fits with the guy that seems to be a chameleon. You know, he sort of tried to act as if he was supportive of President Trump's policy. He immediately becomes some sort of politically correct culture warrior when when Biden is elected. Um, You know, many people who are rank and file, and I talk to people in the military all the time, will tell me that... These people who rise up to the top end up becoming more politicians and yep. military leaders. But, you know, you want another excuse for, for getting rid of Millie? Look at the disastrous withdrawal. I mean, you can't imagine a more disastrous withdrawal from right. Afghanistan. And uh, the decision to give up Bagram Air Force Base before the Americans were, were, were exited from the country is Probably one of the worst military decisions, and that alone ought to get Millie fired.
0: May I? May I just uh, bring up an idea? You know, the uh, yesterday the Senate received a lot of uh, promotion nominations uh, in the Armed Services, and usually it just kind of it just happens with the Senate and the Armed Forces Committee. Is there? Um, I mean, is there anything to the idea of just saying we're not promoting anyone until this man um, resigns? No promotions. We're not considering it until this man resigns.
2: It's a thought. I would have to think through it. And I don't have the power. The chairman of the Armed Service Committee does. That's uh, a Democrat. But I think the ranking member also may be able to hold up promotions. Yeah. You're right. It's rarely done. But I'm not so sure uh, punishing the from people being promoted actually causes him to fire Millie. If you actually think it will, that they would back down or if there's any precedent for it. But I have to think through it, you know, cause it's also, you know, do you punish somebody that's been in the military for 20, 25, 30 years that's getting their promotion? So I don't know if that's the right thing to do or not. I do think that all of those who have a position to voice their opinion should be saying that Millie needs to be asked directly in an interview. Um, I think with polygraph included, you know, whether or not he insinuated that the president of the United States uh, might attack them, that he was going to stop it. If he said that in a conversation, boy, we need him out of government, and the sooner the better. And
0: we need him out of the Pentagon if he didn't vigorously disagree with the president. I mean, I, I support... Um, you know, we have a system of, of checks and balances, and we have a constitution, and we have a civilian run military. And if the president uh, disagrees with the advice, then they either have to put their stars on the table and then go talk to the press, uh, or they have to execute it. And if it is a legal order like Afghanistan was, but a crazy one, um, you either fight against it, and if you. If, if this was your best effort to make it good, you need to resign. We just we just need to say this guy is incapable of making uh, a good decision here. Incapable.
2: There's a great there's a great deal of irony in the fact that the left clamors on a daily basis about how Trump was an authoritarian and wanting to uh subvert democracy and yet here we have a president oh, yeah. i mean a general wanting to subvert the chain of command the idea of civilian run military etc um everything that the left says was wrong about trump they were actually plotting yes. to do this morning on cnn uh, Apologist, they even got they trotted out vindman who even vindman said, this was <laughs> a terrible thing to do I know. but then they trot out uh, former general west clark to say oh this is all just uh, normal discussions between countries, I guess it's normal for them to say, oh, we think the president's going to attack you. So it really depends on what was said. And I kind of doubt that kind of language would have been on a group phone call. If you're going to say something like that, I would think it'd be more one-on-one. But the only way to get to the bottom of it is to ask him and have have him take a polygraph test on what was said. I can't imagine this was in a big conference call. I would think that this had to have been in a one-on-one call if it happened.
0: You have Blinken yesterday. um, You would not let him go over the target of the U.S. drone strike. We knew there was something wrong from the beginning because they wouldn't even say who the target was or who they killed. Now they're saying, uh, oh, we're looking into it. How are we looking into it with no one on the ground? How are we looking into that? Well...
2: And here's the thing is, they hide behind the classification. Initially, they weren't hiding. They were saying they killed a top-level ISIS-K operative. That's what they said they announced. And yet, yesterday in the hearing, he says he either doesn't know if it was an operative or an aid worker, and then it says it's not the right forum. So this is the way they hide. Initially, they were bragging in an unclassified way that they got this guy, and now they're saying, well, we can't tell you there's going to be an investigation, and we frankly—but he did admit— they don't know. That's why they're investigating. And I would think that they might make some decisions and, and and think about the consequences of killing an aid worker and 12 to 14 young people or kids in that area. That creates, you know, hundreds and hundreds of potential terrorists that will hate America for generations. And really, there was something we could have done in practical fashion Let's say that we take them at face value and they didn't think that the government and the Bagram Air Force Base would have been overrun so quickly. One thing you could have done is as soon as the Taliban took possession of of Bagram Air Force Base, they should have said you have three minutes to leave. The vehicles were blowing up everything. Yep. And or or if you don't exit the base, we're blowing up the whole base. Yep. And look, I've been against most wars. I've been against uh, the war in Afghanistan. I've been for coming home for a long time. But I would have given that order in a heartbeat to blow up Bagram Air Force Base on the way out, though. No plane was useful. No plane was left standing. No Humvee. Um, if there there's cases of arms. They would have been blown up as well. But uh, just what a disaster. I just hope people get the right lesson of this. It's, you know, some on the other side are saying the lesson is we should have stayed forever. I think the lesson is we stayed 20 years and they didn't fight one day. You know, the president left one day. Nobody fought. Not one shot was fired to defend Bagram Air Force Base, and not one shot was fired to defend Kabul. That's an indictment of of, of, uh, nation-building and shows that 20 years and trillions of dollars didn't form a country out of these people. They were unwilling to fight for their own. I country. have
0: to tell you, I think uh, I think there's something else, and I think this will ring true to you. Um, we there were there were those who uh, listened to the people in Afghanistan. That's a tribal nation. They never wanted to be Afghanistan one nation. It's a tribal nation, and the tribes all went to the Trump administration, and then early on in the Biden administration, saying, "Please." Let us have local control to be able to vote in our own governor, our own mayor and our own uh, police chief. But they were all appointed by the national government. So there was no loyalty there. Nobody wanted to fight for any of these people. And those guys were just getting fat and rich. We need to stay out of people's business and let people decide their own fate.
2: There was a great article by Rod Dreyer a while back uh, from the American Conservative magazine, and he wrote about uh, when Afghan was lost, and he he showed a video of some woman giving a uh, discussion of Dadaist art and Marcel Duchamp, the guy who did the urinal about 100 years ago, the urinal is art. Yeah, (laughs) And they showed this woman, this professor, explaining to the Afghans why this is art, and it's like if there's ever been an indictment of western decadence and why they don't want to accept our ways putting a urinal as uh, out as art these people are rolling their eyes there was no way they could even conceive of how stupid it is that a urinal is art but that's the kind of crap we were spending our money trying to teach people who were like, "Are you kidding me? We're trying to grow enough crops to eat this year. We need to have fresh right. water. We don't need to be looking at a urinal that you idiots in the
0: west believe is art." And by the way, that was against the Dadaist movement. Their point was <laughs> you're all you're crazy. Art is becoming crazy. We can say whatever. We can put a urinal on the wall and call it art, and you'll buy it. And they did, yeah. and they're defending it. Um, all yeah. right. Um, let me ask you quickly. We, we, I mean, we have so many people. Uh, Blinken absolutely lying under oath yesterday, um, and we can make that case as we uh, finish our operations. Um, but uh, he was lying yesterday. We have Fauci lying Uh, I'd like to share some information with you offline at some point on uh, a special that we're going to be doing about Fauci Um, is we have our Constitution hanging by a thread. And I fear that we have some sort of DHS led. It feels like um, protest uh, march in Washington, D.C., about 700 people. We've done all kinds of research. We can't find anything that there's no excitement behind this, and yet they're putting razor wire up. What are we Where are we? Ram? Well, haven't
2: you heard Nancy haven't you heard Nancy Pelosi? We're going to prevent another armed insurrection? And uh, my question is, well, you know the people and some people did misbehave and should be punished from January 6th, but none of them were armed. And so it's like we're, we're doing this ridiculous thing of putting razor wire up in the fence again because they're creating a mirage. But, you know, George W. Bush bought right into this, and his speech was really should terrify all of us. He said that people who are protesting on January 6th were essentially al-Qaeda, but this is another Rod Dreyer article from yesterday that was just amazing where he says the apparatus that we established, this massive invasive surveillance system that can surveil anybody in the world, will now be turned against Americans with the imprimatur of George W. Bush saying, yes, these people are as dangerous as al-Qaeda, so we need to have observing of their activities. Mm. We need to have them in jail. We don't need to have trials because trials take too long. We don't need to have juries because juries will be too judicious. We need to put these people in jail. And that's what's happened. That's the response to January 6th. And look, I voted to seat the electors on January 6th. I thought what President Trump was arguing was not the correct argument. And yet the people showed up on January 6th do not deserve to be rotting in jail and treated as if they were murderers.
0: Um, I would like to invite you publicly to uh, come on the podcast. No commercials, just an hour, because honestly, Rand, I think we're at a place now where people don't know what to do, and they need good, sound, constitutional reasoning uh, on, these, on these issues and, and advice on how to make a difference. Will you join me on a podcast? Can we reach out? And- sure.
2: And sure. And I think the thing is, is if you'll give me one second. Yeah. One thing that I try to do in every interview, people don't know what to believe on COVID if you get it whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated there is a treatment but there's a window of time when you get it it's called iv monoclonal antibodies it can save your life but there's been no announcement from the government i've helped three people get this treatment in the last week and yet nobody knows about it because Fauci's talking about masks which largely don't work but you're going to get it and if you do get it and you're getting sick you need to ask your doctor about monoclonal antibodies They also won't give it to you if you're admitted. So if you go to the emergency room and they say they're going to admit you, you have to ask, can you give me the monoclonal antibodies in the emergency room? Because if you cross the doorway, Fauci and the government won't let you have it once you cross the doorway from the emergency room to the hospital. Everybody needs to know this because you have to take into your own hands your health care and people are still getting sick and dying from covid but you need to take this into your own hands because the government is still completely screwing this
0: up. I don't understand. I just don't understand. I can't find good reasons for any of this stuff happening. Um, Rand Paul, thank you so much. Thanks for standing up for the Constitution. Thank you for everything that you're doing on uh, COVID-19 as well. Keep up the fight. Senator Rand, you bet. Senator Rand Paul. So I am trying to eat healthier, and I am. But the thing is... I don't like healthy food. I don't like any of it. You've heard of a fat suit, right? I mean, there's got to be. When are we getting a skinny suit? Something that will make me look skinny because I just want treats all the time. I grew up in a bakery for the love of Pete. The bad news is no skinny suit is coming. You actually have to do the work, blah, blah, blah. That's why I am eating Built Bars. It satisfies my sweet tooth, but it's a protein bar, but not like, you know, that's like eating stuff at the bottom of my chalkboard, usually. This is 100% real chocolate. It's low carb, low sugar. If I'm eating a protein bar as a treat, come on, you gotta know it's good. And I am. Mint, brownie, cookies, and cream, the new flavors that are coming out all the time, they're fantastic. Go to BuiltBar.com and Use the promo code BEC15 for 15% off your order. Your mouth is going to water just looking at them. Trust me, builtbar.com promo code BEC15. This is the best of the Glen Beck program. I've known Justin Haskins for quite some time. Uh, I think we first met when uh, I read about him uh, putting together StoppingSocialism.com. Is that when we first met?
1: Uh, we didn't meet.
0: Yeah, we. So I like, called but you. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I just thought, and you were young at the time, weren't you?
1: I'm always young. I'm still young. Come on. What are you talking about?
0: No, but I mean, I think you were like in your 20s or just out of college or something like that.
1: Uh, Yeah, like mid
0: 20s. Yeah. Okay. Um, And now he's the editorial director at the Heartland Institute uh, and also the co-author of the new book that we have coming out in January, uh, all about The Great Reset. And this has been a very difficult book to write because it's very complex It can easily be dismissed as conspiracy theory if you don't have the facts. And quite honestly, when we started talking about it a year ago, year and a half ago, I don't think we had a handle on it. Nope. Uh, And I'm not sure we still have a handle on it. But the more we learn and the more facts we gather, the more frightened uh, we become that that the world is behind the eight ball.
1: Yeah, w- w- without a doubt. I think when we, when it first started, you and I looked at this as this is some sort of a plan to institute socialism or Correct. Marxism or something like that. Uh, it is not.
0: It's much worse. It is so much worse. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, w- I started all of this out. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time working on socialism. That's my background. Yeah. And I'm so I'm terrified of
0: socialists. Right. Right. Right.
1: And I thought that 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 was the worst thing that could ever happen would be AOC, Bernie Sanders. They get power.
0: Now, I don't think that that's true. You know, it's crazy because you and I worked on the book arguing with socialists um, and I was convinced you were convinced that's what was really going on. Once you understand the Great Reset, you understand those are those are useful idiots. They're rubes. That's right. Um, It is it is everything the left used to put into movies about the corporation America is becoming a giant corporation. It is public-private partnerships with the Great Reset. It is why you've been shut down, but Home Depot is okay. That's right. You've been shut down, and your doctor can't give you a shot, but CVS can. You're, you can't have uh, medicine is isn't, isn't the recommended medicine Uh, by some government group that is helping pharmaceuticals get rich. It's crazy what's going on.
1: At some point, the left realized, the elitists in the left, we're not talking about grassroots, democratic, (laughs) social, they realized at some point that corporations and big money and the establishment... It would be so much easier if we could just find a way to buy those people off and get them on board. Yeah. Why are we fighting with them? They have so much power, so much political clout. They're in bed with establishment Republicans. How can we get them on board? So they created this system and it's been rolled out over the past decade or more uh esg scores we've talked about that a a bunch of times before using central banks and and the banking system to buy off corporations to take the corporations over who they they won't go along with with their plans to kick out leaders who won't go along with their plans and to put in place a system that guarantees that we're going to move towards a progressive uh uh well, authoritarian, yeah, it, it's authoritarian, fascist, globalist state. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: crazy. There's it's really crazy. no
1: easy way to define
0: it. No. Um, now, I'm going to give you some information about a meeting that happened on September 1st at the World Economic Forum. Uh, and I want you to really understand what's being said here. Tell me about the two people that are involved.
1: Right. So this is an interview, believe it or not, between the head of the
0: World Economic Forum. Yeah, And by the way, anyone who says it's a conspiracy, we're telling you go to the World Economic Forum. Listen to them. They're openly discussing it. Absolutely. They
1: published this interview on their own on the World Economic Forum website. It's between the head of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, one of the most outspoken supporters of the Great Reset, of resetting the global system, of forcing America to come along with it as well as other countries around the world. And Christine Lagarde, who is the head of the European Central Bank. That's the bank essentially for the European Union and the euro. It's sort it's like of our like the Fed. F- our
0: Fed. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So he asks the head of the European Fed about the role central central banks should have in society. Now, what is our Fed's charter? Our Fed's charter is very simple. What is it?
1: Our Fed's charter is to ensure that the monetary system is, you know, stable.
0: Yes, stable and to watch for inflation. Right. That's it. So she said, now listen to this. What role can central banks play in the fight against climate change? Well, that's a highly controversial issue. There are some traditional thinkers who believe central banks should altogether stay out of that business and exclusively uh, concentrate on inflation and price stability. That's the charter of the Fed Bank. I strongly disagree with that. At the ECB, the Fed of Europe, we now have wrapped up and concluded our strategy review, which was the first one in 17 years. And I was blessed to have an entire governing council unanimously agree that the fight against climate change should be one of the considerations that we take when we determine monetary policy. So at least the European Central Bank is of the view that climate change is an important component in order to decide on monetary policy. Okay, you can say, well, that's good because climate change is really important. That's not the scary part. Listen to what she says. After acknowledging central banks should get involved in this, Lagarde said people are going to have to suffer and sacrifice. Listen to this. And that takes me to your second question, Lagarde said. Can we arrive at the trade off between fighting climate change, preserving biodiversity, and yet securing enough growth to respond to legitimate demands of the population? Listen to that again. Can we fight climate change? And secure enough growth to respond to legitimate demands of the population, legitimate, whatever they define as legitimate demands. And my first answer, Klaus, to be firm, is that to have a way of life, we need life. And in the medium term. We have major threats on the horizon that could cause the death of hundreds of thousands of people. So we must think life first. We have to think of way of life second. Do you understand, America, what that means? You have elites that you never elected that are having these meetings. They are out in the you have Davos. Davos is the World Economic Forum. So you have all of those elites that go to Davos every year deciding what is a legitimate need for you and telling you that your needs are going to go away in your lifetime. You may not see a time where you get wants again. Just your needs are going to be addressed. Am I reading this wrong? No, this is
1: absolutely what this is, what is being said here. Dude, she's very clear that we need to make sure that way of life is second to life. We have to save all of these people, hundreds of thousands of people who are going to die from the supposedly existential threat of climate change and put their, their, uh, their wants and their desires and their high quality of living, all of that has to come second. And she later went on to say Listen that to this. and make sure that the cost of it she's talking about the cost of of these climate change policies make sure that the cost of it is not <laughs> so high for some people for some people that's right for some people that they just cannot tolerate it i think that the trade-off that we reach will probably require some redistribution because it is clear That the most exposed people, the less privileged people, are those that are going to need some help. This this is a central bank saying this. This is not an elected official who's accountable directly to the people. This is a central bank saying, we're going to print money. We're going to use monetary policy to impose these ideas to rework society in order to accomplish our goals.
0: Now, you can say, well, that's just the Davos crowd and that's just the European Central Bank. Where's the Fed on this? Where's our Federal Reserve? Where are they on this? They are moving
1: in the exactly the same direction, exactly the same direction. Um, and, And there's been people who have been openly talking about this. In fact, there was this article in Bloomberg that was published. I think it was in late August. And this is the article. It was incredible was was designed to defend people who were criticizing the Fed for not doing as much as the European Central Bank. That was the point of the article. And in the article, they report on what's been going on here in America. And they said, Powell, that's the head of the Federal Reserve here, and the Fed's board of governors created two new entities, the Financial Stability Climate Committee to focus on the broader financial system and the Supervision Climate Committee to focus on individual institutions. This matters because it means top officials are committed to regularly evaluating and responding to the threat, the threat of climate change. They're already working to ensure that banks embed climate change in their business decisions, analyzing exposures, identifying concentrations of risk and considering how to manage them over time.
0: This is not just about climate change. This goes into ESGs now. Let me tell you about the Great Reset's creepy youth movement that is going on. Um, And I want you to understand, this is not just the United States of America. This is almost every country on planet Earth either coming to it on their own free will or being strong armed into it. We are talking about a global government not led by the United States of America. Why do you think we're being systematically dismantled? You cannot bring the world up to America's standards. You must bring America down low to the world's standards. That is what's happening. And it's really important for you to understand, as I've been saying a lot lately, This is going to come like a thief in the night. It is so far well underway. But you must be informed. You must be informed. People think that you are our children are being indoctrinated into Marxism, but that's not really the goal. And a few honest teachers and teachers unions have been very clear it is to make your kid into an activist, okay? It's not about reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's about indoctrinating them to get them to become an activist. Why is that so important? Because
1: as... The, and you've seen this with, with Greta Thunberg. She's sort of the, the epitome of this whole idea. They believe that they can use... There's two goals to this. The first, I think, is that they believe that they can use kids as a prop... To try to get things done because kids are sympathetic. Politicians are not sympathetic, but children are sympathetic and they can go out there and they and they don't under They haven't been involved in these things for decades. They don't know who the players are. And so they're happy to go out there and protest in the streets and become activists and all too
0: willing to do it. BLM is a very good example. There's lots of people that went out and because they said black lives do matter. I agree with that, but they didn't know that it's Black Lives Matter, Inc., Run by a bunch of white people, many of them over in Europe, that were just sowing the seeds of discontent and taking all of that money. So they have they're not looking beyond the message now. uh, They are the World Economic Forum in conjunction with its global shapers, their youth activation uh, program, uh, which has ties to Al Gore and his climate work. Has just published a millennial manifesto that has six principles for activism. Uh, it's I mean, when did the Davos people say, you know what we need? Love is a, a manifesto for our children. But this is what they're pumping to our children. I just want to go through them quickly and stop me if if there's something you think needs to be put in one. We will create space for intergenerational dialogue. That seems great. We'll ask big questions to advance bold solutions. We will pursue systems of change and collective action. We will build bridges within across communities to strengthen the structures that work and dismantle those that don't really important language. We will set ambitious goals and move from talk to action. We will focus on local changes that can lead to global transformations and celebrate our progress. We'll make space for diverse lived experiences. We'll embrace uncomfortable conversations. We'll surrender our privilege and give everyone a seat at the table. We'll engage to listen, understand, and co-create solutions. We'll create brave spaces for ideas to be heard, questioned, and challenged. Yeah, right. We'll recognize the complex intersectionality of social change. We'll call, We'll care for ourselves, others, and our ecosystem.
1: Right. What What people need to understand is that there are literally hundreds of these groups all over the world with thousands of members youth members who are being given this material and being trained by the world economic forum to become youth activists in the streets and in other documents that the world economic forum has put out they've said that the reason for this is so that these groups can put pressure locally On their political leaders to go along with the sort of great reset agenda that's the goal of all of this an international network of youth activists like greta thunberg who can go to their local governments and demand these changes in the streets and force these politicians to shout down children
0: it is why it is so important for you to act locally Because they are acting locally. This is what really is happening. And I got to tell you, anybody who thought they were freedom fighters, you know, the 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever. You have the Davos people training your children in groups to help. The the biggest globalist George Soros types of the world who are flying out to Davos every year. You have them training them on what they have to do for fairness. It is insidious and it is everywhere. We will have more on this uh, in the coming days and weeks, and the new book on the Great Reset uh, by myself and Justin Haskins will be coming out, I believe, in January. You need the facts on this. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate it. Thanks, Glenn. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Let's go over the script uh, for tonight's Wednesday night special uh, with the writers. And uh, this was last night. And they have, they put some facts in there that uh, shocked me. Absolutely shocked me. Uh, tonight. You're going to see what the federal government they're 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 grabbing on to three crises that are going to change the world and going to change America permanently. Climate change, covid and January 6th, Uh, January 6th has been uh, just just the facts on January 6th. I do about 10 minutes on that tonight. Those will melt your brain. It's it's stuff that nobody knows, nobody has asked questions on, uh, and you don't have a right to know. It's if you think it's if you think things are bad, you need to understand what's really being arrayed against you, and that is uh, tonight. And there are things that we can do about it, and they're important that we do, and we'll give you that information tonight on Blaze TV blaze tv.com slash glenn if you join us now please support us uh we are uh i we are entering a very difficult uh time period in our country and for broadcast and people like me uh please support us if you find anything of value if you don't that's fine but if you do find something of value that we do please join us uh so we can help continue to get the word out at blaze slash glenn use the promo code glenn and you'll save uh on your subscription. Uh do we have Seth Rogen on cuz I'm excited for some comedy. Wrong oh, Rogan there, Glenn. It's Josh.
3: Yeah.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. man, he's got bad news. Much better us. connected I think <laughs> yeah. to the Trump uh, to the Trump White House and what's yeah. actually going on here. Yeah. Uh, so um uh Josh Rogan is a great writer, not He's not political. He'll call them where they land. Sure. Um, And he had unprecedented access to the uh, White House under Donald Trump. And he said it was chaos under heaven. Uh, He said it was, you know, um, a, a an administration that was divided and split against itself and at war with itself. But he has an interesting uh, take on what General Milley is reported to do, and his sources are uh, meticulous. I mean, he really makes sure that what he has to say has been sourced uh, and can be backed up. I wanted to get his opinion when when I heard the news about Milley. The first person I wanted to hear from was Josh, and I'm glad he's on the program with us today. Hi, Josh. How are you? Great to be with you. So uh, this is a a really weird thing because we don't know exactly what happened. And I don't want to accuse I don't want to accuse anybody because this is so serious. I'm kind of like, strangely, Donald Trump today who said, I'll believe it when I see it. But if it's true, it's real trouble. Explain what happened and what your sources are telling you
3: right so i had the same reaction it's shocking if true so i decided to do what i do which is to call up people who were in the room to figure try to figure it out and so over the past 12 hours i've actually gathered up a ton of information i'm happy to share that all with you and your okay. listeners right now and basically it's more complicated than the way it's been covered surprise surprise right it's always more complicated you know and your intro is exactly right if you remember at the end of the trial, it was pretty chaotic there was body stuff going on and all the different parts of the government weren't talking to each other so you know what i have discovered is that yes there is some truth to the fact that uh at that time both in october and then in january after the capitol uh uh incident there was mark milley was making calls not just to the chinese but to lots of other countries and he was basically saying to them, hey listen i know you've seen some crazy stuff on the tv don't worry nothing's gonna happen we're gonna be fine now the details of what he said in those Chinese calls, that's what Woodward and, uh, and Kost are trying to say is new, right? Oh, he warned about, we're going to warn you if you don't attack, right? Those details are in dispute. Okay. And what's weird about that, of course, is that the only person who probably could have given that information to the, to Woodward is Mark Milley, right? So why would he say those things if they weren't true? So it makes people believe that there's, those are true. But the larger context, and this is really important, is that he wasn't doing this all by himself, is that he was actually working with, at the time, Defense Secretary Mark Esper and others. But he wasn't telling everybody. So the White House didn't know what the Pentagon was doing. The Pentagon didn't know what the State Department was doing. The NSC didn't know what parts of the White House was doing. And now that this all comes out in a book, a year later, it seems shocking. And everyone's like, oh, my God, how could that have happened? But if you pick pick through it all you'll realize that some of it's true some of it's disputed some of it seems like it's not true and in the end what you've got is a very complicated story that can only be really resolved by one man that's mark milley the only way we can really figure out what mark milley said you know is talking to mark milley or that chinese general but
0: i don't think he's going to return i don't think so (laughs) so you have a a general mark milley allegedly calling what the book describes a friend for many, many uh, years um, who is in the joint chief's role over in China, an enemy country saying that we want you to know uh, if, you know, we're not going to launch missiles and, uh, you know, we're not going to go to war. And if we do, if that's what's happening, I will call you and give you the heads up. That is So unbelievably, that's the allegation, allegation. so unbelievable that that could have happened. And what's crazier is how many people on MSNBC and others are saying, that's okay. I wouldn't condone that with Joe Biden uh, and Afghanistan. Sorry, that's not the way things work in the United States of America. How much of that do we think is true?
3: Right, right. So it's really, it's really... Uh, important question because you know right so we can say that the fact that he's calling people in China is not necessarily a scandal that's kind of what people in his position do the fact that he didn't tell people in the White House about it well that's kind of messed up but again it's not a a a, a, some sort of illegal act it's just it's just him being him you know he thought he was in
0: charge we dropped you he he thought he was in charge okay
3: He he thought he was running U.S. foreign policy, and that wasn't his job at the time, and he's not supposed to be doing that. And that's the real question is, like, how much is he freelancing, and how much is he conspiring with Nancy Pelosi to guide our foreign policy in a way that the president of the United States wasn't aware of? And why is he doing that? No, wait, wait, wait.
0: I think it's important that you stop and explain the Nancy Pelosi thing, because there was a story that came out about Nancy Pelosi uh, that looks like she was read in on this.
3: Well, this is also in the Woodward book, according to the book, according to the reports about the book, Pelosi called Milley and said, Donald Trump is crazy. He could do anything crazy. He might launch a uh, a military coup. Are you going to stop it or not? And according to the book, Mark Milley said, OK, don't worry, I got this. You know, basically, I, I agree with you. I'm not going to let Donald Trump launch a, a military coup or launch a nuke against uh, China. And I'm going to tell everybody in the Pentagon that they shouldn't let that happen without talking to me first. And. Again, that sort of gets to the core question, which is like, do we really think that was happening? Right. This is the the real breakdown in our discourse in our society, and a lot of the, all the mainstream media takes it as sort of a uh, uh, just a, a a truism that that Donald Trump was capable of launching a nuke against China for some reason. But I was there, and I'm in the mainstream media, and I never saw any evidence that he was going to do that. In other words, you could you can easily over over analyze and overblow the 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 level of, of, of what happened on January 6th and what happened on in that, inside that white house, there were some bas- there, was, there was some crazy stuff that happened, but no, we weren't about to nuke China. So why is Nancy Pelosi telling the joint chiefs of chairman to, that we have to prevent Trump from nuking China. Maybe she wasn't, you know, being objective either. Maybe even Mark Milley wasn't being objective either. Maybe in those last days, you know, they lost their minds a little bit too, like a lot of people. So, It's a judgment call. And, you know, and that's why we have civilian leadership over the military. So if we were at a situation where the Speaker of the House and the Joint Chiefs chairman were trying to prevent the president from having control over the military. Yeah, that's crazy. But that doesn't mean that's entirely Trump's fault, because I never saw any evidence that he was about to nuke
0: China. So where did they get that from?
3: And why are they talking about that? Why are they warning the Chinese about it? And and and,
0: and, and but by the way, that is not even if they really did think that that was going to happen. That's right. not their role. If they exactly. believe that, then the general should put his stars on the desk of the president and say I cannot work with you i think you're a very dangerous man leave the white house alert the press and stand there next to the speaker of the house who also believes that and present the evidence to the american people the american people would not have stood behind a coup some would have but the united states of america we we are law abiding we respect our system as long as we believe it's fair, but even when we think it's not fair, we want investigations. Um, This is not the way you run a constitutional republic. This is the way you run a banana republic.
3: Exactly. And remember that after January 6th, Mark Esper wasn't there. So now at this point, General Milley, the the big, the head uniformed official in our military we're supposed to have civilian control over the military he's doing now he's doing this on his own and that's not his job again if the reporting is true and so so that's also say we got to hear from general Milley. he's got to tell us what he did and what he didn't do and we have to realize too that like you know he's become a politicized figure for sure but a lot of that is his own doing. You know, mm-hmm. how do, how, how do we have 17 books with inside background quotes about General Milley's personal conversations about how General Milley saved the republic from the crazy President Donald Trump, right? That doesn't, That's not an accident. You don't have 16 books come out in the space of three months with all these General Milley, you know, uh, stories about how he's the hero and how he was the guardrails and we wouldn't even have a democracy if it wasn't for General Milley. And then... Everyone, oh, why is General Milley politicized? Well, yeah, that's because, you know, he's been put up on this pedestal and the Democrats built this pedestal, right? They built it for a reason. It's because the they, 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 their January 6th hearings are coming up and they want Milley. They want him on that stand, right? This is what this is about for them. They're, they want to prevent Trump from running for re-election. And whether you're not whether you're for Trump or against Trump, again, this is a manipulation of the system. And that's what I object to. It's not, Me too. I'm not saying Donald Trump did everything right. I'm not saying General Milley did any everything wrong. I'm saying that we, the reason that we have institutions is so that the speaker of the house and the chief chairman don't have to have a phone call about telling China we're not going to nuke them because that's not how democracy works. That's not how our system was designed. And, you know what the Democrats will, of course, say is like, oh, well, this was an unprecedented situation because the president was like, it doesn't insane. matter. the argument.
0: It that doesn't matter.
3: That, that... I don't even think he was clinically insane. Like I don't agree with him on a lot of stuff. I think he did a lot of crazy stuff, but there's no evidence that he was about to nuke China. So Look, they're they're
0: taking... you can make the same case about Joe Biden right now His behavior, everything he's done has been a detriment to the republic, in my opinion. He looks as though he's just looking for pudding 90 percent of the time. Now, that doesn't make that doesn't that doesn't give you the right to go around him and you evoke the 25th Amendment. And you speak out and you present a case. You don't go around the elected right. president of the United States, period. I don't this, care who it is.
3: And, and and just on that point, but if you think about it, how much how much how much President Biden be thinking about General Milley, who's still the Joint Chiefs Chairman, who now he knows is willing to do all of this stuff without telling the White House or telling everybody in the White House, at least. Mm. And he's still he's, he's still in position. He's a highly politicized figure who went through all these controversial, you know, incidents. Did he handle them all perfectly? Of course not. I guess nobody would. But that's a problem for the Democrats. If they, if they think about it for two seconds, they realize that now he's a huge, they've built him up to be this hero. They're venerating him as he's, the guy's like one miracle away from full canonization in Washington. And after that, he'll be able to tell President Biden to go screw himself if he wants to. And the Democrats will have a lot of trouble, you know, taking a sledgehammer to the pedestal that they just built for him.
0: Josh Rogan, thank you so much. Um, it's I appreciate your clear thinking and your even-handedness on everything. Thank you so much. i trying to call it like I see it. I know. I know. And I appreciate it. Not a lot of people do that. Uh, columnist for The Washington Post. I don't know how, but he is. Author of Chaos Under Heaven. A must-read. Josh Rogan. Thanks. Thanks.
1: <laughs>